Good morning, ARPC. Shalom. Morning. Thank you, Elder Wa'on for, and the music team for leading us, as well as Elder uh, Kevin Lee for leading the service. Firstly, a disclaimer. Um, I'm preaching this passage not because I'm, I've perfected the Ten Commandments. In fact, according to Jesus' standards, I have broken every single one of them. As we constantly wrestle and abide in God's Word, may God reveal to us His heart. And the best way to follow this sermon is to open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 5, 16-33 and listen with an open heart. Allow me to pray as we begin. Let's pray. Father, for the time will come where people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myth. But you, keep your head in all situations and your hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And we ask that you may teach us to remain faithful because God, you are faithful until the very end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've uh, titled today's sermon as How Does God Love His People? So when I was 16, I met, um, next slide, uh, I met this guy called Peter Yu. He's, he's an actor uh, during a Chinese New Year visit to my classmate's house. You know, uh, we were playing mahjong and uh, I was taken aback by his spewing of uh, vulgarities and, and after a few drinks, he even got mad you know, when he lost a few games. Um, but fast forward 15 years later, when I bumped into him again, but this time I, I was hailing a taxi on my way to uh, report for reservist. He was the taxi driver who picked me up. Let's watch a short video clip of an interview with him by Sword and Light.我现在才明白什么叫做重生 神的关系有三年多了，我一想要知道我的将来是什么，所以我就那时我跟神说，我祷告说神啊，如果你要我永远家的事我都OK的，因为我我有平你的平安跟喜乐，我enjoy my life。所以如果你要我呃回去做房地
教会有来了一个美国的一个先知，他跟我做一个先知预言，他跟我说：“红红啊，你这几年你反复被堵住啊，可是神要把所有的门都打开，虽然那个门不是很大，但是神。”跟我说一句话，你不要惧怕，神与你同在。这三年多，从来我也没有想过回去娱乐圈。一个礼拜里面啊，有五个电话打给我，做了五个这个 project 之后，我原来我后来我才明白，其实神其实要我踏出一步，让人家一传十，十传百。现在我知道神的旨意，叫我就是回去娱乐圈，然后来去朋友条。不管怎么样，就是有机会，就是能够分享就分享。因为神叫我们不要想太多，不要担心太多明天，是明天有明天的担心嘛。所以你要珍惜今天，你要把今天的事做好，你才真正的活在今天嘛。神就是平安，神就是生命。你如果天天与他在一起，与他同行，你就有这个平安，就有这样喜乐。圣经里我讲了 ，You dwell in Him, You dwell in You， 所以你就有这个生命，就有这个平安。During the short 30-minute taxi ride I had with him, I testified on how God has transformed him. It was a 180 degrees change. God has set him apart with a change of friends, lifestyle, and places of visit. And the Holy Spirit worked within Peter to crucify his old self, embrace his new self under the Lordship of Christ. And this is how God loved. His people, setting us apart so that we may know Him and obey Him. Last week, Pastor Chris got us to imagine. Do you do you remember? <laughs> imagine a world without any law. Imagine if there's no God, where people do anything they please. Imagine if there's no warning or faking it, and you know we are kind of so good at it. And imagine if there's no Sabbath, or th that's a horror for me. <laughs> you know, no rest for everyone. God knows what we are capable of: our sin, our rebellion, turning to other gods as our form of identity, pursuit of achievements, wealth, power. And Deuteronomy five nine to ten teaches us that I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. In today's passage, how does God love His people? I have two key points. First, from verses sixteen to twenty-one, by giving His people commandments to follow. And secondly, in verses 22 to 33, by being a faithful God. So God's commandments are meant to show His love for His people. These commandments also help us to realize that we cannot fulfill it perfectly. Then our need to seek God's grace grows. King David acknowledged in Psalm 51, verse 4. Saying that against you, and you alone, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. Especially in our current day society, 
things are no longer that straightforward. It is never black and white. Most of the time, you'll be facing grey areas. Regardless of how you define it, God's character and command remains unchanged. Deuteronomy, if you translate the name Deuteronomy in Greek, it means second law. This book adapts and expands upon the original law given in the book of Exodus. But since Exodus, it has been 38 years since the Israelites left as slaves from Egypt and the whole generation that grumbled against God had passed away. Moses was trying to recount these happenings at Mount Sinai because they are about to enter the Promised Land. And this generation of Israelites did not witness what happened at Mount Sinai. And during that time, Israel came there in the desert in front of the mountain. Deuteronomy 5.22 tells us that God proclaimed the Ten Commandments in a loud voice to the whole assembly. And there, on the mountain, from out of the fire, the cloud and the deep darkness, God wrote the Ten Commandments on two stone tablets and gave them to his servant Moses. So how does God love his people? By giving his people commandments to follow. And the first four commandments focus on how a man should deal with our vertical relationship with God. Starting from the first commandment, you shall have no other God before me, to the fourth commandment, remember your Sabbath by keeping it holy. God is commanding and God is commanding Israel to remain faithful to Him and love Him only. While the, six, the next six commandments that we are going to unpack today, we will be focusing on how a man can treat the relationship with the people around him with respect. This is a horizontal relationship with one another. The vertical relationship with God with the horizontal relationship with one another is correlated. The closer we are to God and His Word, the clearer we are to understand His heartbeat and purpose for us to love His people. Continuing from last week in verses 16, commands us to love our father and mother. And the word honour, sorry, is honour our father and mother. And the word honour demands action on our part to give our parents respect, regardless if they deserve it. There are actually four different ways which we can honour them, appreciate them, accept their authority, and treat them with respect and provide for them. Our obedience to God's commandment is not a reflection of how our parents treat us, but a reflection of how much God loves us. We are accountable and judged by God for all our actions, and therefore God has given us the Holy Spirit in many ways to guide us, which we can proactively honour our father and mother. So it's not only twice a year you know, that we honour them during special occasions, maybe three times, including Chinese New Year, Father's Day and their birthdays. But a constant checking in of them to see how they are doing. This, in fact, is the first commandment with a blessing. 
one that blessed the Israelites with longevity and prosperity in the land they are about to receive. So Asia One website actually reports of this 82-year-old uh, elderly Singaporean found in the streets of Johor Bahru. He's dirty, smelly, hungry, weak. He was abandoned by his family and had a son in Singapore. This man is one of the many cases of elderly Singaporeans found abandoned overseas in Indonesia and China. The world would deem parents when owe a liability, one that drains our resources. Even the Pharisees themselves during Jesus' times in Matthew 15 verses 1 to 9 they justify, for not, they, just, they justify not being able to support their needy parents as they had already given money meant for their parents to the temple offerings. So God's commandments set His people apart from the ways of the world. The next five command, commandments cover the fundamental requirements of life in the society. Each law is protecting something that is precious to God. Verse 17, you shall not murder, warns the Israelites how serious God treats the shedding of blood. And Genesis 9, 6 tells us, whoever sheds human blood, by human shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. So blood must not be shed carelessly, or consumed, but it is God who gives life, and only God has the power to take life. So Acts 17.25 says, This God is the one who gives life, breath, and everything else to people. Therefore, we have no right to end our lives or to take the life of another. There are various exceptions to this, of course, for the defense of one home, which is written in Exodus 22, accidental killings in Deuteronomy 19, or the loss of life during a war in Deuteronomy 20. In Matthew 5, 21 to 22, Jesus defines murder as someone who is angry with a brother or sister. He or she will be subjected to judgment. Jesus here is addressing the issues with our heart, our heart of hatred, which is tantamount to murder. Like how the Pharisees hated the presence of Jesus and eventually plotted to kill him. The attitude of their heart is equal to that of murder. Therefore, if it pleases God for us not to store up that sort of rage, anger in our hearts, we ought to nip this hatred early if there's even any little bitterness. God's commandments show His people what pleases Him. In verse 18, we shall not commit adultery. This is uh, quite unique. Why? Because it's the only commandment that is maintained the same from Old Testament and uh, through Jesus until the New Testament and in the words of Joseph in Genesis 39, verse 9, when tempted by Potiphar's wife, he exclaimed, How then could I do such a wicked thing 
and sin against God. The seriousness in which this sin is viewed is also shown in Jeremiah 5.7 that says, Why should I forgive? Your children have forsaken me and sworn by gods that are not gods. I supplied all their needs and yet they commit, committed adultery and thronged to the house of prostitutes. So adultery destroys the marriage covenant, reveal our discontentment with what we already have. It also reflects how the Israelites' relationship with God, when God's faithfulness to the Israelites is taken for granted and is even betrayed. God's commandments makes His people then reflect on their relationship with Him. In Matthew 5, 28, Jesus tells His followers that if anyone were to look at a woman lustfully, has already committed adultery with, with her in his heart. And Jesus also promotes a drastic measure to address this sin immediately, calling for an eye to be removed if it causes us to stumble. So what is it like in our current day context? Would it be difficult to even put your phone down if we view images that causes us to lust? or immediately delete the app that causes us to sin. The key spirit of the law is to be watchful of what we are feeding our eyes. The image gets stuck in our mind for a long time. So verses 19 tells us, You shall not steal. And the seventh to the tenth commandment all spring out from this bitter root of discontentment which leads us to take advantage of our neighbours. It disrupts this relationship and trust, a disrespect for the rights of individuals and group to hold property, especially when God is the rightful owner of all things and He entrusts them onto our care. Therefore, the rightful ownership of the property must be respected. In verse 20, we shall have no we shall not have any false testimony against your neighbour as the Israelites are moving to occupy the land that God is commanding them, as giving them. Disputes among the people will probably be common. And this ninth commandment is directed towards persevering that sanctity of truth, telling lies and giving false testimony or false allegations against another person will have no end. So you have to prove, your, to prove yourself, you have to tell one lie to cover the other lie. So my father, he used to be a taxi driver. And uh, once he picked up uh, a, on the street, you know, a woman who, was, who hit his taxi, and she demanded to actually sit on the front seat. Being a taxi driver for about 30 years, my father knew immediately something is wrong. He asked her to take the back seat. Um, and, he, and she started to ask my father to extort him of $200. If not, she would start to scream molest. To prove his innocence, my father immediately locked the door and he drove straight to the police station. Of course, he spent many hours 
giving a statement in a police station to prove his innocence. But thank God for the audio recording in the car and their conversations were recorded. Do you, do you know how damaging is it to his false testimony? I, I think even an exaggerated gossip about another person is a form of false testimony, which is just as slanderous. But the, the law that it governs it all is respect for property and truthfulness towards each other. In verses 21, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, property, servant, livestock, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And this unique final commandment is not so much about you know, your outward actions, but inward motives. Our inner desire is the true indicator of the condition of our hearts. And Jesus rightly points out that the heart matters in Matthew 15. A heart that strives to understand the spirit of the law rather than trying to find loopholes in the law. So I cited this uh, property article that I found online on 27 April this year, uh, written by Joanne Poe on the current property hot topic for those who own or are thinking of owning a second property in Singapore. So the Singapore government has drastically increased the additional buyer stamp duty, ABSD they call it, from 30% to 60% to discourage property speculation. So while young couples in our midst are struggling to find or to own their first property, property speculation is one of the reasons that cause property prices to balloon, making it hard for young couples to afford their first home. So reading from the first line of this article, it says, the mark of a true blue Singaporean isn't how well he or she can follow the law. It's about getting around it without breaking it. This is exactly the mentality that our Lord Jesus is addressing when it comes to God's commandments. In Matthew 15, 10, Jesus calls for the crowd to listen and understand. Listen with a teachable heart and understand to find out God's intention for these commandments. Instead of coveting what our neighbours have, we would ask ourselves if we are thankful if we are thankful for what our neighbours have, do we rejoice when my neighbour posts on social media, you know, videos of their big cars, big houses, wonderful holidays and amazing food that they are enjoying? Are we thankful for what they have, knowing that we are also equally loved by God? So how does God love His people? By giving them commandments to follow. So the Israelites are a nation that are set apart for God's, to be God's treasured possession. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation rescued by God to be a shining example of what it means to be loved by God. And if they fully obey God and keep His covenant, how does God then love His people 
He loved His people by being a faithful God. And God displays faithfulness by honouring the Mosaic Covenant in Exodus 20-31. God has a conditional agreement with His people with the words, if you will, then I will. It, focusing, it focuses on the blessing for obedience and curses for disobedience in Deuteronomy 28. So God's faithfulness is displayed in His unchanging commandments. How do we know that? Firstly, in verses 22, God proclaimed in a loud voice to the whole assembly. His commandments were then spoken in public so that the whole Israel would, would know about it. Secondly, what was spoken then was ample and conclusive. God added nothing more. Thirdly, it is a visual symbol of God's unchanging commandments. And what is that visual symbol? That visual symbol is that ten commandments was written down and cast in that two stones by God. So God's character never changed. From verses 23 to 27, the Israelites' responses reveal their understanding of God's unchanging character. The mountain was ablaze with fire, revealing God's glory and majesty. And this made him unapproachable. At least that's what the Israelites think and causes the Israelites to tremble with fear. In 1 Timothy 6, 15b to 16 tells us that God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. So to be able to hear God's voice during that time, from the midst of the fire, is something that no other nation or even history has experienced. God's holiness and greatness were revealed in that one, in that whole episode, which resulted in the people's request for Moses to be their mediator, for fear that they will be consumed by the fire, by God's fire. Finally, God will bless His people if they obey His commandments. So God was pleased with the Israelites' response. They said they will listen and obey. And in verses 28 to 29, assured, assured the Israelites that their obedience to God will only result in blessings. Blessings that will go well with them and their children forever. It is a blessing of occupancy and prosperity in the land that God is about to give them. So how does God love His people now? Moses played the mediator role for the Israelites at Mount Sinai in verse 27. And Moses played the role of the high priest when God made a covenant with him. But a thousand and two hundred years later, God showed His love to us through His one and only Son, Jesus. Jesus plays the mediator role now for the whole world. Jesus is a high priest of the new covenant. In Hebrews 12, 23-24 tells us that you have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. 
So the old covenant requires the sprinkled blood of the Lamb to atone our sins. And the old covenant is written in stone. But the new covenant is written on our hearts. The new covenant has made possible only by the, our faith in Jesus, who paid the price with his blood. Whereas Jesus' death on the cross was the basis of the new covenant. Jesus has defeated death and the evil one. And Jesus now sits at the right hand of God. The new covenant is the promise that God will forgive our sins and God will restore fellowship with Him through Jesus. Jesus teaches us that the Spirit of the law by giving us the new commandment. So what is our response to God's love for His people? We are called by God not to be inward-looking as we enjoy this special relationship with God. Pay attention. Pay attention to the rest of the world as well. Rather, we are to rep represent God to the rest of the world and attempt to bring them to Him. In Romans 13.9, Apostle Paul also summarized the fifth to the tenth commandment in one commandment. The commandments, it says, the commandments you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command that may be are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbour as yourself. And there was this another occasion where Jesus was questioned by the teachers of the law in Mark 12. You know, this teacher of the law asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. So if our minds are set to love God and to love our neighbours, then constantly we will be thinking of the needs of others before ourselves. Loving our neighbours as ourselves will be like walking with them, journeying with them, rejoicing when they rejoice and mourn when they mourn. Even in our workplaces, our bosses, our colleagues may not be the people whom we are comfortable to journey with, but if we see our workplace as our mission field, we will be willing to be vulnerable and try our best to love our neighbours. So ARBC is also striving to equip those in the marketplace how to do so. This is like a commercial break. Eh? So, so sign up for Mission X you know, conference or marketplace lunchtime talks. So we are actually encouraging the, the church in very practical ways by equipping the church. So lastly, our literal neighbours, those who are sitting on our left or right, of our homes, do we actually engage them in conversations? You know, do you even pray or yearn for their salvation? So when I moved to Bishan, I, I tried inviting my neighbours over to my house for dinner. It was a little bit awkward, I must say. Um, 
So we decided, you know, since we cannot decide what to eat, you know, what is best, so we do a potluck. So we, we, had, um, we had potluck where they actually literally carried the dishes they have, they cook on their stove, straight from their stove to my table, you know, walking less than 10 steps from their door. And this is, in fact, in fact, this whole encounter actually opened doors to many more conversations. So during the circuit breaker, you know, me and my neighbours even went uh, cycling together. So preferably one day, my neighbour, whom you can see from this window, <laughs> uh, might be open to coming to church. It is difficult indeed to lead a Christian life, and at times, impossible. And if we rely on our own human capability, truly there's no way unless the Holy Spirit empowers us, we will not be able to love our family, friends, or people at work. Apart from God's enabling, love cannot last. It all begins with God's love for us through His Son Jesus, who gives us a new life in Christ. When our hearts are moved by the Holy Spirit, we will respond by loving God and the desire to glorify God by obeying His words. And this constant asking for God to supply all the, the ability to love others as well. So like Peter Yu, who surrenders control of his future and job opportunities to God, seeking to serve, witness, and to love his neighbour regardless of the environment God puts him in. I personally was inspired by the Holy Spirit when I was cycling um, across this sign that you see on this. It's this next to this, there's this BTO um, development just next to us, you know. And this sign was, is used to actually caution pedestrians or cyclists. It says, stop and be cautious about sinning against God. Stop to pause for a while to pray. Look up. Look up to God, to God's Word, and check what the Bible says. And look to the people around us and consider what is a loving thing to do. And finally, go. Go and be courageous to do what we ought to do as followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope this sign, if you see it next time, will remind you of all these things. Allow me to close in prayer. Father, upon hearing your word, allow us some time to reflect. Father, allow your word to speak to us. Allow us to be certain of your character, even 
when we don't see you moving. Help us to love you, Father, not merely with our lips, but our thought, our strength, and with our actions. Make it our way of life to choose to love our neighbour as ourselves. Because it glorifies you when we obey you. Sustain us with wisdom and truth from the Holy Spirit until the day Christ comes again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.